to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Friends, I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I bring you greetings from siblings in Christ throughout the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta. It's my honor to serve as your executive presbyter. It's my honor to be a neighbor here in Decatur. In our presbytery, we've got over 88 congregations and 26 new worshiping communities. We are everywhere, north, south, east, and west. I stand here before you as your presbyter, but I'm just honored to bring the word as a sister in Christ, a daughter of God, and as one who is trying to do her best to live by the Spirit. Hear now the reading that comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Listen now for the word of the Lord. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work rather than their neighbor's work will become a cause for pride, for all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption of the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those in the family of faith. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Have mercy. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength, our hope, our rock, our love, and our redeemer. Amen. As a young woman in her mid-40s, I have learned a few things. And yes, I said young woman in mid-40s in the same sentence. 
What I've learned is that the older you get, the more your body will grow weary. For me, it was my eyes. Right up until my 40s, I was known to wear fashion-forward frames because I liked the look and wanted to coordinate. But when I hit that 40 mark, things began to change. I often tell the story of taking my son Ellington to get his eyes checked for glasses for the first time. I'll be honest. I couldn't believe how much he could not see from a distance. Then it was my turn. I couldn't see anything past the third line. The doctor put me in the chair and I just, I just felt like blind Bartimaeus. And then the doctor became, began to change the lenses. I felt like I was a biblical character. I was blind and then I could see. About every two years, I have to update my prescription so that my weary eyes have a chance to see beauty and strength, to pay attention to details and to make sense of the nuances around me. You see, if we're honest, we all know what it's like to grow weary in our daily living. We know the feeling in our bodies. We know it in our minds. We know it in our souls. So weary. It's when your spirit, which was created to flourish and thrive and soar, feels weighed down and discouraged and deflated. In Paul's letter to the Galatian Christians, he is calling on them to not grow weary. You see, if weariness comes with age and experience, then these Christians were too new to be so weary. My mother used to say to me when I was a teenager and I would complain about minor aches and pains, she would look at me and say, girl, you are too young to be that tired. Paul. Paul was at the heart of this new Jesus movement especially as it related to his heart and passion for Gentile believers. This new Jesus movement, this startup, it began with followers of Jesus and it exploded on the scene. And now Jew and Gentile, they were coming together to claim one Lord, one faith and one baptism. But even for this young expression of the faith, there was tension. And where there's tension, People run the risk of growing weary. While Paul was living his life as a passionate visionary preacher and teacher of the gospel, his brother in Christ, Peter, stood on the opposite side of issues of Jewish requirements for Gentile believers. Paul, the visionary who truly believed that the gospel should not take away Jewish traditions among Jewish Christians, but he didn't believe that Gentiles who had come to know Christ should have to live into those traditions to live a full life in Christ. You see, this Jewish and Gentile divide, it was a huge issue in the early church. Paul wanted a gospel of full inclusion for both Jew and Gentile. At times, Paul and Peter could come together and agree, and other times they could not depending on who was listening and who was around. You see, tension, it'll make you want to give up on people. Tension will lead to weariness and you're going to want to call it quits. Paul knew firsthand what was at risk 
when your body is tired and your mind is tired and your soul is weary. This type of tension and division could have hurt the mission of the church and the proclamation of the gospel. This type of discord could be a distraction from preaching good news to the poor and releasing the captives and caring for those in need. But this text, this is the encouragement that Paul offers his first audience and it's an encouragement to himself as much as it's an encouragement to people like you and me. He says this, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. In other words, don't give up doing what is right. Don't forget that there will be a harvest. Don't give up on the family of faith, even when you're at odds and you can't see eye to eye. Don't forget the greater good for all. Now, Paul, this sounds great, but how do we do it? I don't know about you, but I'm a little weary from the days and the times that we are in. I know some of you are weary from being quarantined and having to live in a way you never imagined. Some of you are weary from the news and even experiencing insomnia. Some of you are weary from the violence and the division and the talking heads. Some of you are weary from Christian perspectives that don't sound so Christ-like. Sometimes you're weary from your efforts of trying to do what is right and feeling like it's not making a difference. In order to do these things, in order to not grow weary, we need different lenses to see our way through a weary-making world. In a book entitled A Lens of Love, Jonathan Walton invites us to be mindful of the ways in which we look at scripture and the world. Jonathan's a graduate of Morehouse and a colleague from Princeton Seminary. He's an author, an ethicist, a scholar, and he keeps his pulse on today's generation in terms of their sense of making meaning of their lives and standing up for justice. He's got a great Instagram if you wanna follow that. He currently serves as a Dean of Wake Forest Divinity School, but this book came out at his time at serving the Memorial Church on the campus of Harvard University. The book was born out of a round of dinner conversations with the young adults in his congregation. They had questions. They couldn't really make sense of the Bible anymore. They didn't know if they could reconcile Christian views that didn't respect other academic disciplines or their daily experiences. They couldn't make sense of parts of the Bible that seemed to contradict the call for inclusion and justice and hope for all. These young people had grown weary and perhaps even disillusioned because the truth is, you can be weary at any age or any stage. They wanted to know if there was room for them in the church with their questions, with their doubts, with the tension in the text. Jonathan's work and invitation is a call to not give up and to take on spiritual lenses 
that can only be given to us by God, whose love is both deep and wide. Jonathan says this, I try to put on lenses of love to look for those with whom God most aligns, the marginalized and the victimized. He goes on to say, I aim to step inside of a text and search for the lonely and the left out and those who have been left behind. Here we will find the spirit of God and God's radical love for us. Friends, in this season, we need to ask God to check our vision. We need lenses of love as we look at our neighbors. We need lenses of love when we watch the news. We need lenses of love when we see injustice. We need lenses of love so that we can see that even though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning, even if the morning feels like it takes too long to come. You see, if we don't ask God to check our vision, our eyes will grow weary, making it hard for us to see hope in God's word, making it hard for us to see humanity in everyone, making it hard for us to seek an opportunity to work for justice, not in our own strength, but out of the power of the spirit who calls us to love God and to love neighbor. We need God to give us corrective lenses so that we can hold on to hope in a season where everyone is tired. Last fall, some of our presbytery leaders talked about what would be important for our worship themes and our theme for the year. We came up with this. It's really unique. Wait for it. Vision. If you haven't figured it out, vision has been everybody's theme looking into 2020. How could we not? And we really need eyes to see in this season. We agreed as a presbytery to not only use this word vision, but to take on this invitation from the larger denomination to become a Matthew 25 presbytery. What does that mean? It means that 20% of the churches will say yes to lifting up at least one of the three following areas building up congregational vitality, dismantling structural racism, and eradicating systemic poverty. As we began to talk with some of our leaders, we asked the question, are we really ready to ask all of our churches to talk about this? What if we don't see eye to eye? What if we don't all agree on these issues? What if we don't think this is attainable? What if some folks don't care? And then someone said, be mindful, this is also an election year and tensions may be running high. Just the thought of these conversations in 2019 was making me weary. We had no idea what we were stepping into, into 2020. And then someone said, now is the time to invite people to say yes to an invitation to care about systems that keep people oppressed. And so for us as a presbytery, it's an invitation not simply to participate in a denominational initiative, but it's an invitation to give leaders a chance to invite their churches to say, hey, let's ask God to check our vision. Because only through a hermeneutical lens of love can you see Christ in the poor and in the marginalized. 
Only through a hermeneutical lens of love can you see Christ even in your perceived enemy. For even our enemies struggle with demons that we may never know. Only through a lens of love can we have the courage not to give up, even in the face of structures and systems and a season that seems insurmountable. While the word for our presbytery is vision, the Lord gave me a threefold word for the year. I consider them my specialty trifocal lenses of love from the Lord. I need them so that I don't grow weary. I need them so that I don't give up on my siblings in the family of faith. I need them so that even when the days are long, isolated, that I can work for the common good of all. The Lord gave me these three words, slow, steady, surrounded. Say that with me, slow, steady, surrounded. These three words have become my prayer for maintaining eyes like Christ. These three words have been part of my prayer life and my spiritual mantra so that I don't grow weary and work for the common good of all. So I invite you to hear my prayers and perhaps you can make them your own. Slow. Lord, slow down my snap judgments. Slow down my vilification of the other. Slow down my reactions to what I see and hear and feel. Help me to slow down so that I don't react, but that I act according to your will. Steady. Lord, keep me steady in your word and steady in your kingdom's work. Lord, keep me steady in my worship of you. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get disoriented. And I think of leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You kept him steady. You gave him a steady mind and a steady head and a steady heart. I think of his steady stream of consciousness as he penned his letter from a Birmingham jail. I can only imagine how weary he must have been. And I think about how he composed that letter literally in jail. In the face of hostility, he wrote from his soul as he was being misunderstood and imprisoned and living in the tension of a divided society not seeing eye to eye on the definition of justice, even among ministry colleagues. Lord, keep me steady. We are reminded, Lord, that you gave him a steady hand, steady thoughts, steady in your word, steady in worship in a jail cell, steady in his conviction that the gospel of Jesus Christ calls for justice, even if your siblings in the faith don't agree. Lord, keep us steady. Keep us steady so that we can be ambassadors of love and truth and justice. Lord, keep us steady. Lord, remind me that I am surrounded. 
Lord, remind me of who I am and whose I am. Lord, remind us of the great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on in the struggle for freedom and justice. Thank you for those who marched. Thank you for those who sat. Thank you for those who prayed. Thank you for those who took on beatings and hoses and dogs and looked death in the face. Remind us that we come from a legacy of faithful men and women and siblings in the faith who sought to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with you. Remind us that we are surrounded by a family of faith who went through a pandemic over a hundred years ago. Whisper wisdom to us. Whisper truth to us so that we may remember that we can stand in your power and that we are surrounded by your grace. Remind us by your spirit that we shall not be moved. Give us strength in the face of weariness and make us warriors of love and justice and peace. Slow, steady, and surrounded. Slow, steady, and surrounded. Friends, this is my prayer. Who would have ever imagined that we would be in a season like this? And while it's easy to put your gaze in an inward focus, may you have the heart and mind of Christ. May God give you eyes to see those who are on the margins, the least of these, those who are oppressed, especially in a pandemic. My prayer for all of us is that God will check our vision and give us the right lenses so that we don't grow weary, so we can always see how we can reflect God's goodness. And my prayer is that you'll be resilient. And in your resilience, there will reap a harvest of hope and strength and love and freedom that has the power to tear down forces and structures that have held folks captive. May we inspire this generation and generations to come not to grow weary until all are free. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.